Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our scripture passage today comes from Acts 5, verses 27 through 41. Let us listen for the word of God. When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We give you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior, that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up and ordered the men to be put outside for a short time. Then he said to them, Fellow Israelites, consider carefully what you propose to do to these men. For some time ago, Thaddeus rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. But he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and disappeared. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up at the time of the census and got people to follow him. He also perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone, because if this plan or undertaking is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. In that case, you may be found fighting against God. They were convinced by him, and when they had called the apostles, they had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. As they left the council, they rejoiced that they were considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, this Eastertide passage and story isn't one that many of us is familiar with. It happens in our lectionary every three years, but we somehow seem to just jump right over it. We're still in that Easter time, but we don't really think about what happened after Jesus' death and resurrection. So for many of you, like myself, this is not a story that we are familiar with. But in it, we are told that the disciples are following Jesus' commands in Matthew 28 to go into the world, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and to remember that Jesus is with them always to the end of the age. Today, we got the honor and privilege to live into this same command and covenant by baptizing Rose this morning into the family of God here at First Presbyterian, therefore fulfilling Jesus' commands as a disciple. We know that the disciples in our passage 
are really doing this as well, and they are doing it really well because it tells us that the entirety of Jerusalem has been filled with Jesus' teachings, and therefore the religious leaders of Jerusalem are angry and have dragged them before the council, before the Sanhedrin. Peter responds to the high priest in their defense after they're dragged before the Sanhedrin, stating why they have dishonored the religious leaders so much. But immediately after he finishes, the entire scene erupts into chaos. Everyone is enraged, and they want to kill these disciples. Now, you probably can picture this best if you think about some of the political rallies that have been taking place recently, especially the one here in Chicago, where you have this mass of people and emotions are so high, it doesn't take anything to cause chaos and for people to, his emotions to erupt. But then enters this man, Gamaliel. Who was Gamaliel? Well, we are told that he was a religious leader, but he was actually very famous. He was well known because of his teachings. He knew the Jewish law by heart, and many people believe that he was actually the leader of the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin was the ruling religious body of Jerusalem of the time, made up of Sadducees and Pharisees. Later in the epistles, Paul actually um, brags about Gamaliel, saying that he was once a student of him. Therefore, we know that he was well known not only in Jerusalem and the Sanhedrin, but the surrounding areas. Needless to say, when he spoke, people listened. He spoke and his words were full of reason and rationale. And he had a way of calming the crowd. He pointed out to the crowd gathered there that there was no need to kill these so-called disciples. That if history repeated itself, that they would soon lose heart. And they'd be nothing more than a fad. The same thing occurred twice already with Thaddeus and Judas the Galilean. Once the leader was killed, the followers would lose heart or interest, and they would just disband. We've seen this over our own history in the United States as a cult would pop up. Maybe you remember Waco, Texas with David Koresh where there is this fateful following of people all gathered around a charismatic leader. Well, we know what happened in that story. The federal government raided the compound in Waco, Texas, and David Koresh was killed, and that cult soon disbanded. Its members went about, uh, around their way, and they're just a distant memory now. In his wisdom, Gamaliel speaks to the crowd, saying that this is what's going to occur since Jesus has been crucified and therefore they have nothing to worry about. There's no need to get their hands dirty. The problem will just take care of itself over time. But then he adds in at the end this interesting side note. He says that if this is of God, then there's nothing they can do to stop it. In fact, they might actually find themselves against God if they try it. 
Now, last week on Easter, we wrapped up our modern parable sermon series. It was a series of sermons that focused on storytelling, taking the stories found in the New Testament about Jesus and placing them in a modern setting. It was a common practice during the Old and New Testament to take stories and to teach with them because stories are more impactful because they invoke emotions. They paint visual pictures for us and provide ways for us to relate to the story being told even insert ourselves into the stories. I want you to think about the Bible for a few minutes now. If you had to tell someone what was in the Bible, how would you do that? What are the things that you would include in your retelling of that? What would you leave out? Most of what we know and what we would tell someone would come from our knowledge of the stories that are held within the Bible. As a child, that is how we are taught about our faith in the Bible. That's how Rose will learn about who she is as a child of God. Our confirmands as youth go through a time of exploring these stories more in depth for meaning to discover pieces of scripture that have special meaning to them and relate to them specifically. We all have vivid imaginations that can think about these stories. We know them by heart. You could probably visualize Noah loading the animals on the ark two by two simply by me mentioning it. Or maybe you can see the rain pouring down for 40 days and 40 nights. Or maybe it's the dove coming to Noah with that branch, symbolizing new life in its beak. All by me simply mentioning that story. You could probably go out and tell people about Jonah because you can visualize that enormous fish swallowing him up. You can probably tell others about Christ's birth because each year we enter that story ourselves, telling it, reading it, and living it. Our children even take part in a live nativity every year at 4 o'clock right here, retelling that story for us as part of our Christmas Eve service. The stories held within the Bible, they come to life for us and then bring those people meaning to us. It's not a book of just words and pages. It's a book of meaning that has special meaning to us because as we read these stories, we bring ourselves to the story. We enter the story. The way I read the nativity scene and visualize it is something personal to me. I visualize Mary sitting there holding baby Jesus in her arms, but maybe you visualize it a different way. Maybe you see her tired from giving birth, and so Joseph is holding the baby. Or maybe baby Jesus is swaddled in those bands of cloth lying in the manger. Those are all personal images for us. And whatever way you visualize that scene, it is yours. Now think back to Holy Week. It really wasn't that long ago. 
from Palm Sunday rejoicing and cheers to the solemnness of Monday Thursday to the darkness of Good Friday to the amazement of Easter Sunday. It's all a long story that over time has developed. From childhood, each new Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter has added to the story for you. It's added to your story of Christ's resurrection and become part of you. As a child, my mother loved listening to the radio in the car. And she most of the time would have it on a 60s radio station. Well, every now and then she'd have it on talk radio, like NPR. And that's where I first encountered the jovial and enthusiastic voice of Paul Harvey. Now, Paul Harvey was a storyteller at heart. He knew how to tell a story in such a way that it would draw you in. And needless to say, I'd sit there and listen to his voice and his words. And suddenly, it would go to commercial. And after commercial break, over the air, his voice would boom. Now for the rest of the story. See, several of you know that, too. This was my favorite part because I always found it fascinating because he would tell the backstory, the missing pieces to the stories that gave you that aha moment. The facts and the tidbits that stuck with you made the story real and memorable, relatable. This is precisely what Luke was doing in his two-part narrative of Luke and Acts when he wrote to us saying, I have undertaken to write a carefully ordered account so that you might come to believe the stories about the events that have taken place. Most excellent, Theopolis. Theopolis, a name which means God-lover. Luke wanted us to know that he was talking to us, lovers of God, followers of Christ, and this story was about us. So now for the rest of the story. For when Gamaliel says that if it is God, nothing can stop it, he was foreshadowing the spread of Christianity. He was telling us that Jesus' story, the story of his life, death, and resurrection, would continue. That even through persecution and centuries, this story would live on, and we as the people of God would live on. We know these stories today because of the message of who God is and who we are as children of God lives on. Better than that, we have become the story. We are the rest of the story. You see, you have come to know these stories, the stories of who we are because we live them. We are the rest of the story every day when we're faced with challenges and decisions and choices to make. We have the opportunity to live as disciples, live out God's call on our life, live out the story of hope, the story of Christ's resurrection. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter, it happened for a reason. It happened so that we might live, so the story would continue, so that we would be fully reconciled with God, 
be in relationship with God, restored. Easter happened so that we might live, live fully into God's call to go into the world being Christ's body, being the rest of the story. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for being with us every day, for teaching us who we are, for the privilege of welcoming a new one into the family of God this day. We are thankful that you give us the opportunity to be part of your story, to live that story out, and to let others know about who you are and whose we are. Help us each day go into the world living this message, giving you honor and glory. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.